Welcome to the next episode of FICPA CEO Conversations. My name is Shelley Weir, President and CEO of FICPA. I am thrilled to be joined by my dear friend and our partners at Glime. Lori Glime, CEO of Glime, is here today with us. We're going to have an exciting conversation about probably one of my favorite topics, which is talent, pipeline, Absolutely. students, the future of the profession, um, and get into some of the things that are happening both within Glime as well as with the profession broadly. So first and foremost, your name is so mm -hmm. synonymous with the accounting profession, even for someone like myself that's only been in the field for a little over a year. Um, and so much of that is due to your late father, Irv Glime. What a legacy he yes. has left behind. Yes for the profession, and I imagine you probably feel the pressure every a day of bit. living yes, up to that yes. legacy. Um, but when you think of Glime, tell us a little bit about how your father started the company as a professor at the University of Florida, and a little bit about the history of how you guys got here today. Sure, yeah, it's actually kind of fascinating. Um, so my dad was a first-generation American, so he um, entered into accounting, and he presumed he was going to get a CPA, but when he looked at the opportunities there, they were all live instruction, very expensive, and not really an option for him. Um, and so he realized there's not an option for self-study, a stay-home study guide. So, um, you know, he was quite bright and um, worked hard, and so he just said, listen, I'm going to do it. So he went and studied and wrote really good notes and created his own review course, which my mom typed on a typewriter. Um, right, and they hawked his motorcycle for $200 to publish it. Oh my goodness. Right, and it was really all about access, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure people who are smart, hardworking, you know, and really want to join the profession that they can. Like it really shouldn't be elitist. It should be open to anyone who's smart enough and willing to work hard enough to be there. Mm -hmm. So that was his mission, and it worked, right? So he was the first person to do self-study guides at home, and that was uh, back in 1974. Amazing. And, and when you think about the work that your father did to build the company and you think a little bit about where you guys are today, it's still very much run by the Glime family and you're carrying on that tradition and Absolutely. that legacy. Yes. So, um, so it's lucky, right? Like it's a family company and so I'm lucky enough to be there. I had another career before moving back. But you're right. It, we are there because of the mission. We are there to educate and to get people in the pipeline, to get CPAs, to help them through their journey. Um, and it's wonderful. We don't have shareholder value. We don't care how much things make. It's all about mission. Um, and so that is a luxury and one that we get to have where our focus is the candidate and faculty. Because my dad was a professor as well, so he always wanted to make sure there were products to support the faculty and their ability to teach the students. So yeah, it's still a family-run company and we have a lot of employees and a lot of experts, but it is nice that um, we don't have to answer to anyone else. Absolutely. Well, and I love what you said about the mission because for all the stories that you've shared with me and from what I've heard from our members around the state as well, that really seemed to be what fueled your father is really making sure that we were building that next generation for the profession and, and giving back and, and making sure that we were cultivating them in a way to set them up for success. And so many folks that are listening to this today probably were taught by your father, took Glime review courses, all of the above. So it's an amazing testament to his legacy. But as I think about where we sit today, right. we've talked a lot in the profession about the pipeline challenges that we are facing. I've told you this, Lori, but 
every time I go out and meet with one of our members, whether it's one of our members in public accounting or in business and industry or government or meet with my fellow state society CEOs, et cetera, everyone knows that the talent issue is just so top of mind right now. And I think one of the common themes that, that I've mm -hmm. heard is how do we make it exciting? How do we make it attractive to this next generation that's coming up and what's going to get them excited about pursuing a career in accounting and, and going on and getting their CPA license. What, what are your thoughts? What are you guys seeing? And Well, I do think that you're right, that um, I think there's an image problem. Mm -hmm. So we need to hire some great director and have some amazing movie about an accountant, <laughs> right? Yes, on TikTok um, probably, right? right? right. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a great profession, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is some of you know, the bean counter back in the day and that it was kind of a mundane that's gone now. We have computers, right? So there's data analytics and there's all these tools that uh, CPAs get to use. Mm -hmm. So you have to know the foundation, right? You have to go to school and know your accounting. But unlike years of the past, once you get your CPA, once you're at the firm, you're off to the races. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with clients. You're solving problems. Um, so I think it's more, I think now it's more exciting than ever, actually, to be a young, aspiring CPA. Um, and I think that there's just not a lot of good press about it. I mean, if you actually look at the CEOs and CEFOs who are running some of the best companies, they're accountants, mm -hmm. they're CPAs. And um, it's a little known fact, but they all are because they know the language of business. They know the health of the company. And, um, and so, so CPAs run the world. They're the heroes in suits. Um, and we just need to figure out how to get that into the younger generation so that they understand that there's a great opportunity for them. No doubt about it. And like you said, it's the language of business. And you know, one of the things that I think about, especially coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, knock on wood, as, yes, as we yes, are yes. right now, at any given moment, we could have another strain hit us, I know. But if I think about what happened to small business, um, over the last several years and how so many places were forced to close either temporarily or permanently um, as is the case in many cases those that were able to remain open did so because of the strategic guidance and help of their CPA so we've really been this unsung hero and champion even Absolutely. more so in the last few years and I think that will get the younger folks excited. I do, and I also think that you have to realize that if there is a pipeline issue, mm -hmm. I'd be the first in line. <laughs> if there's not a lot of people there, I can shine. Right. So I think that it's the perfect time to enter the profession, mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's a lot to be done with it. And it's also, it's you know, sometimes I hear people say, well, then I'll be pigeonholed. And what they need to understand is you are not pigeonholed when you have a CPA. The, you can do anything you want with it. Sure, go to public accounting, go in-house, do whatever you want. But once you understand the skills that an accountant has, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Start your own business. I mean, it really just allows you to walk into a boardroom and not be taken advantage of because you know more than everybody else in there. And that is a skill that will be with you for life. So it, I, that's just the only thing that bothers me is when they say they're pigeonholed. I mean, you're absolutely not. Go mm -hmm. start your own company if that's what you do, want to do next. Absolutely. And they'll be able to do so because of their background. Right. Um, okay, so we have... A lot of students within the FICPA family. Um, our team spends a lot of time alongside our friends at Glime uh, going out to the college campuses across the state and answering questions about how to become a CPA, how to get licensed, what's great about the accounting profession. And I think it's important that we also share a little bit about what's happening with the exam change. Absolutely. Because this does tie in as one of the prongs of the solution for how we can address the pipeline challenge. 
So for those that may not be aware, on January 1st of 2024, there will be a new CPA exam um, nationally across the country in order to get licensed. And it is um, keeping some of the tradition of what has right. been for many years, but also introducing some new innovations as well. So at its core, there's going to continue to be four sections of the exam with um, the core three primarily around financial regulation, audit, tax, all of those things that we come to know and skills, love, the right. fundamental skills for accounting. But now what's going to happen is students and license seekers will have the opportunity to choose between one of three disciplines. And so rather than having every student take all four sections of the same exam, right. they'll take three of the four same and they'll get to be able to choose between three for their fourth, all ending in the same license. And I think that's important for everyone to understand and know that no matter which of the disciplines selected, it all results in the same CPA license. And for those that may not be aware, the three disciplines will be business analytics and reporting, information systems and controls, and tax compliance and planning. So essentially allowing students to pick um, an area that they want to focus on right. in right. their career. But this is a shift. Um, AICPA and NASBA just announced last week that they're also going to do away with the written section of the exam. And so there's a lot, if I'm a 19 or 20 year old college student right now, I'm probably feeling a little bit of extra pressure and anxiety about this change. So just broadly, sure. there's still so much to be learned about this in the next 18 months as we get ready for implementation. But with Glyme being one of the leading exam prep providers in the country, how are you all thinking about this and any kind of words sure, of wisdom absolutely. that you want to share? So look, if you're ready to sit for the CPA exam now, mm -hmm. you should just do it. The mm -hmm. devil you know is better than the devil you don't know, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And so we know what that is. You've prepped your whole career, your college career to do it. Just sit down and take it mm -hmm. and be done with it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the world evolves, and that's what the yeah. CPA has done, right? They've realized that there's people who want to have an expertise in IT or an expertise in, um, in tax, and this allows you to do that. So as long as you have the fundamental core skills, mm -hmm. you're allowed to say, hey, I prefer to work in this subject area. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like engineering, right? Like you get an engineering degree, but then you might be a civil engineer, a mechanical engineer, an electrical engineer. So it's just allowing the candidate to have a little bit more um, control, really, and some more options, right? To say, to signal, this is what I'd like to practice in when I when I am in my firm or, or my company. Um, so anyway, so I think that, uh, I mean, look, at the end of the day, the whole goal is to get your CPA so that you have the foundational skills and you can do what's required of you. Right. And so that's still going to be expected. Mm -hmm. um, and the CPA is, is geared towards what a CPA would do in their first or second year of practice. Mm -hmm. And so really, it's kind of the da data analytics side. It's the IT component. Technology's changed. And so the CPA has to catch up with that. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, I think that it's, um, I think it's good because it gives choices, but I also don't think it's scary. It's, it's right. what it was before with a little bit of a twist so mm -hmm. that you have more control of your life. No doubt. And I'm sure there are a thousand questions. Again, if I'm a student right now, I've got a lot of questions about how this is going to impact me on my path to licensure, especially those that may not be able to take the exam um, or parts of it before the, the shift transpires. And I agree with you. Go ahead and do it. If you're one of those people that's got three of the four sections out of the way, go ahead and finish it up. If you're a graduating senior and you're, you're close, just go ahead and do it because um, if it were me, I would want to have everything done before the transition. However, if you're one of those students that's going to be caught in the middle, they have released a plan for how 
you will be addressed and what sections will be able to carry over and the time frame in which you need to complete the exam is still 18 months. So if you have any questions about this process, as information is coming out, please don't hesitate to visit FICPA.org, head to Glime's website, reach out to one of us, and we'll be happy to help you through it. I think one piece of advice that I'll add to what you said um, that, that I've been chatting with our, um, our folks about is, especially because the BEC section is mm -hmm. changing so much, if you will, I might think about taking that one first mm -hmm. now and going ahead and getting it out of the way before the significant change with the discipline section. So, um, but that's me. The other side of the coin is to go ahead and get the hardest one out of the way first. So it's, do yeah. do what's best for you, yeah. absolutely. Um, so as we think about the exam prep world, just broadly outside of even the exam change, tell us a little bit about what makes Glime different from some of the other exam prep providers. Um, we're solely focused on the student, on the, on the candidate. Uh, and so since we entered this space knowing we were gonna be self-study at home, the entire evolution of our product has always been focused on how do we support the student who's studying at home, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we realized is that it's always nice to have a personal counselor. And so we have a series of staff that actually work for us to support the student or the candidate while they're studying. Um, and you don't really get that with all the other providers. Um, again, uh, not to, uh, we're colleagues, not competitors. Of course, yeah. Um, but, but we do really put an emphasis on that. Mm -hmm. um, we were, American Business Awards, we were number one, you know, the best customer service, and that's because we spend more money after the sale than before. Because again, back to the mission, um, you know, Dr. Glime, my father, never focused on how much money are we gonna make. It was all about how do we help the student. And for the most part, students are poor, right? And so we always wanted to be able to give them something that they could use to, for their, you know, to get their CPA, because that changes their life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that was always the focus. And so we wanted to make sure we had all the elements for them to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, back in the day, we were the first piece of people who came up with access till you pass. Because what would happen is students and candidates would fail, right? Mm -hmm. And then they have to buy it again. I mean, that's adding, you know, poison to the already, already right. failed and now I have to buy it again. Yeah. And so we said, no, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to help you pass. Mm -hmm. And so we will stand behind that. And so it access till you pass. Like you buy our stuff, we're going to get you to pass. Um, and so there's things like that. You know, we have we have videos, we have uh, accounting experts, we have personal counselors. Um, but it's really the human touch, mm -hmm. I think, on top of our platform, which is really good. And I guess it, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about our questions, mm -hmm. um, because that is really what separated Glime from the pack. Is you know, Dr. Glime being a professor, I mean the whole test is just questions, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to learn how to do questions. And so that was really his secret sauce is that he was the, he was really good at writing questions that were gonna be very similar to the CPA because it's a closed exam. So it's mm -hmm. not like you can get the questions. Mm -hmm. um, and then alongside with that, which I'm sure everybody struggled with, is when you get a question wrong, especially multiple choice, you're like, oh, why isn't it A? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> and so um, he and my mom together, when they first did this, um, they said, you know, we need to teach to the person who doesn't understand it. Teaching mm -hmm. to the A student, everybody who's gonna get an A probably is gonna pass the CPA, but we, our goal is to get the C student to pass, right? right? If right. the C student can pass, we're good to go. Um, and so the, the answer explanations focus on why is the one right, but also why are the other ones wrong, mm -hmm. so that you can learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's a big, you know, a big thing too, is making sure you learn from taking the questions. So uh, best questions, best customer service, um, and our commitment, really, 
as a company to get you to pass. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful message. We're here, here talking about a pipeline challenge, right? We don't want to put up so many barriers for folks that, that see student that has the abilities, the skills, the capability of getting there with a little bit extra coaching and development gets turned off and leaves the profession Absolutely. entirely, yes. which would not help any of us, right? right? And so. so my family's dyslexic. So one of the reasons uh, that Dr. Glime got into this was because, you know, at the time, it, everything was prose. Like, it was just like reading a novel to, mm. and he's like, oh, that's too much. And so he, he was the first person to do an outline format. And now if you look at any review provider, quite frankly, in any subject matter, everything's outlined. It's all bullet points. Um, and so those are the sort of um, pick-me-ups that we always try to do because we want to capture as many people in this profession as we can. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's the hope, and that's what we always constantly improving our products to um, help the student. Yeah. Okay, Lori, let's go back to what we were just talking about relative to that C student and someone that you want to make sure that we cultivate and wrap right. our arms around and set them up for success. What are some of the things that you have seen that work with those types of students and how can we be more supportive? Right. So we really want to encourage the student who's gone through the schooling, who's prepared to take the CPA, and look, you're going to take the CPA exam, and more than likely, you may fail a part. Mm -hmm. And the problem is keeping them in the pipeline, right? Because they feel like failures, and they totally shouldn't, because I think the AICPA just came out and says it takes 2.4 attempts to pass, right? And so we really need to cultivate them and say, look, you're close. Mm -hmm. You're this close. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's been different ways that people approach that, um, you know, taking extra questions or trying to zero in on what their weak weaknesses are but one of the things that Glyme just did um, because I kept hearing this like mm -hmm. we have we have forums and we have opportunities to talk to the candidates mm -hmm. that there is this there's this like last little hump to get over right and so we just came out with Glyme finish line okay. and what that does is it focuses on a student who either um, is about to take the exam and they want to really make sure that they're ready to take it mm -hmm. because why lose the money because once you fail you have to pay for it again sure. who wants to do that right, right? And it's a total loss leader, $150, and it gives you two mock exams, right? So you're testing your abilities in that situation. Mm -hmm. Then it trains you on what you didn't get right, mm -hmm. right? And so it's a little bump, and then another mock exam so you have the confidence to go into it. Um, because I think that that is an area where we aren't good as review providers. We start you at the beginning, and we say good luck at the end, right? And so I want to make sure that the, the, the candidate that's already sat for one is the one we want to convert, right? Because they're committed. right? Um, and so I do think that if any of... Anyone who's listening to this has happened to um, get a, a, a score that they did not like. Don't give up. Yeah. Whatever you do. I don't care if you use Glime or another provider. Don't give up because you're this close. And it takes, you know, it's another 71, right? Like, that's what you hear. So, um, so anyway, so I do think that the commitment, if you've given it this much, you can do it. Like, Glime will get you there. I promise. Absolutely. It's kind of like having that one class left to graduate from college and then going, ah, I think I'm okay now. It's giving them that extra boost right. and support. Right. To, to get and across confidence, that finish right? line. Yeah. Because everybody who walks in exam, I mean, there's always those, those points that you're going to lose just from jitters, mm -hmm. right? So um, anyway, so that is our, that is our sweet spot. We, we are client-focused. And so if a candidate needs help, we'll help them. Because mm -hmm. our goal is to get everyone to pass. Like we don't, I don't know I've ever gone into a meeting at Glime that says, how are we going to make more money? Like that's never happened. Mm -hmm. It's like, how are we going to help the candidates? How are we going to get more candidates? Um, so uh, anybody who needs help. Call us, email us, whatever. We're here to help. And definitely set forth, again, by your father's vision it's, and mission for oh, the company. Oh, and that's what I'm totally trying to do, true. right? Like, I'm following Absolutely. his legacy because, um, you know, his goal was really access to the profession. Mm -hmm. You know, he was the first non-black member of NAVA. Um, and he, you know, being a first generation, he was really focused on minorities and underserved communities. Mm -hmm. um, and he wanted to make sure anyone who wanted to work hard, study hard, that they could make it. 
Yeah. And he's like, you're not going to change just that person's life. Mm -hmm. You're going to change the trajectory of their whole family's life. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we're committed to. We're, we want to have people reach their potential, and we want to help any way we can. Okay, so I love what you just said about reaching their potential. There's obviously a couple different things that have to happen for someone to get licensed in this profession, the exam being a huge part of it. But this is a time commitment. I mean, this is obviously uh, many, many years of college, an extra year, if you will, right. as well. Work experience, passing four different parts of a difficult exam, to your point, which they may not pass on the first time. God willing, they will, with the help of folks like yourself. But how do you think that time commitment and, and that, that true commitment to the profession helps to translate into skills that they need to be successful once they get hired, once they're really starting to work post-licensure? So I think that it, you know, at, at, in the olden days, um, they took the exam like once or twice a year, right? And mm -hmm. so everybody was doing it at the same time. <laughs> and now the problem is, is you're working or you're in school full time and asked to do this on top of it. So it's, it's, it's not just a time commitment, it's time management, right? Because you have to study when you can study and work it into your schedule. So I do think that having such a um, difficult exam that really tests your skills um, uh, makes you focus, right? And you need to have good time management. So I do think that the students and the candidates who get through this process bring to their organization the ability to do time management and also to work well under pressure. Mm -hmm. Because these people sometimes have from 10 to midnight to squeeze in four hours of work into two hours, right? Right. Um, and so I think that, that uh, the profession as it is is sometimes a, a pressure-sensitive situation. So I think they're prepared for that. Mm -hmm. I think that the one area that um, COVID online learning, having classes where um, they're already pre-recorded so there's no interaction with the, the professor or your peers, is that, that some of these students or candidates and now CPAs show up in the profession with not a lot of soft skills. Right. And so I think that that's one area that we need to work to improve because you can be as smart as you want here, but if you can't explain it, um, it's not going to get to the client. No doubt about it. And I will tell you firsthand that we have heard this loud and clear from our um, partner level members across the state, our C-suite level members across the state, that they are definitely seeing a gap um, in that, that soft skills um, cultivation, if you will, coming out of college, which again, COVID has no doubt helped to accelerate. In the next section of um, today's interview, we're gonna bring in a very special guest to help us solve this okay. issue. We're very solution focused <laughs> here. We're not just gonna talk about what the problem is, but we're gonna talk about some solutions. We'll be back in just a moment with our next special guest. Welcome back to part two of today's conversation as we are tackling the talent pipeline and soft skill development needs for the accounting profession. I am thrilled to be joined by Aaron Buss, a dear friend and EVP of development and strategy for the Southeast Trust Company. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Very excited to be here. So I'm sure you heard that Lori and I were just having a chat about soft skill development. And probably all three of us agree that this has only been magnified, accelerated, insert word, um, because of COVID. And some of the extra um, barriers that have been put in place uh, because of what's happened with the pandemic. So from your perspective, we've talked about soft skills. There's many, many that folks need to be successful in any business, but much less um, in CPA universe. What do you think right now is the number one skill that this next generation, this newly licensed generation is currently lacking in the profession? I think, Shelley, that there's several things that we could pinpoint, but one would be communication. 
you know, technology has given us so many graces and also some hurdles that we've created for ourselves because of it. So we would be nothing without our computers at this point, but we have to bring humanity back into this profession. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, Excel would be able to do the job for us. <laughs> so the humanity is when it comes to people and communication, because this is a service industry. Very much so. And so to communicate takes a two-way street. And I think a lot of our younger CPAs, our younger accountants, have a one-way communication through technology. So whether it's from text messages or emails, they think they've communicated, but that's almost like just writing in a journal. You don't know if anybody's really read it. Mm -hmm. So the right way to communicate is to actually pick up a phone or to meet someone face-to-face, -face. and that's been so hard mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. So I think communication, both in the written, but mostly in a spoken format, is what we really need to work on so that people can have detailed conversations, create new ideas, and then create plans to complete them. No doubt, and I think what you just said about picking up the phone is, is almost a novel concept right now, right? We're so used to, as a society, texting, messaging on Teams, LinkedIn messaging, whatever that looks like, or Snapchatting, or any of the above, right? That we've almost forgotten the art of picking up the phone and calling someone. And, and so it is something that we have to address, but like you said, we are a service industry. And when I think about the written communication, my children are still very little, but I can already see them developing some of these kind of bad habits too, where they're shortening their words or their sentences or abbreviations. And we can't do that in the business world, right? We can't write an email to a client that says BRB or what have you. And right. that's that's kind of a shift in mentality for what this next generation has operated under Absolutely. for so many years. Absolutely. Technology, we need it. Use text all the time to communicate. But to be able to transition effectively mm -hmm. needs to be top of mind. Mm -hmm. And then I think also conflict in communication and understanding how to address that on the phone or in person is really important. Conflict in email can be exacerbated and really stressful. Mm -hmm. So it's important that people learn to be able to have those meetings, create an opportunity to discuss an issue mm -hmm. and be able to provide feedback to one another both ways. I completely agree, and I know myself have fallen victim to that. How many times I have read an email and gone, gosh, I'm not sure what the intent of this was or what the tone was supposed to be, but this is how I'm taking it. And you almost have to reach out to the person and ask, was this what you intended or not, so that you don't have that miscommunication, and that goes both ways. You have to frame your own responses in a certain way so that folks don't think, gosh, what is she or he trying to say? Exactly. Or you get email wars, right? Yes. So you yes. have one person say something and then it comes back. And so knowing that you need to jump in over the top and pick mm -hmm. up the phone, because so much can be solved over the phone. And it's just more efficient. No know, doubt so. about it. Death of the reply all, in my personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> so communication, obviously critical. Verbal, written, all of the above. What are some of the other essential skills that you think are, are really needed for success? And frankly, in this profession, but just in the business world in general. Or in life in general. Yeah. So time management, that's a huge one that I think we all need to focus on. You know, we get the same amount of time every day. All of us do. But how we organize it, how we structure it, how we prioritize, it's important for us to be able to utilize it so we can 
can have those times that are down times to enjoy for the things mm -hmm. in life that we work hard so that we can have more time to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Another one is doing things that are a little bit out of your comfort zone and pushing yourself. So you have to make yourself uncomfortable at times to be able to have an opportunity for achievement. I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. Sure. It's so inspiring to me. And as I think about my own transition into this role, I will tell you that's really what probably um, drove me and excited me the most about taking on this new position was that it, in many ways, did make me feel a little uncomfortable. I was launching myself into a profession that I had never been in before, um, had you know 20 years of experience in association world, but in a different industry. And that, that fear and that uncomfortable nature um, thankfully got me excited, but it can also be a huge deterrent for so many people. How do you think we solve for that? What can we do to help almost encourage that uncomfortable nature as a way to you know, go forward in our careers? So Erin, tell us a little bit more about the uncomfortable nature. How can we address it? How can we encourage this next generation to face their fears, if you will? And, and what have you seen that's been successful? So we are born with, all of us, with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Any other fear is actually learned from our environment. So really it's a matter of exposing yourself to things that would make you a little bit uncomfortable and pushing yourself. I pause and say, you gotta have a really good moral compass and always stay within that as you're trying these new things. Mm -hmm. But to give you a visual, think of getting a new thing of Play-Doh, a new container of Play-Doh, and it's this one tight ball of dough. And you can start to slowly push at it and reform it, and it can create a totally new shape. And so that's you, mm -hmm. that's you. If you start to push and expand yourself and try new things, you're gonna reshape yourself. And so you don't have to decide at day one, I'm gonna run a marathon and do it the next day. That'd be the wrong thing to do, you'd get hurt. Right. So you also have to slowly expose yourselves to new things, new ideas, new concepts, to push yourself to be the next best version of yourself. You know, people train physically. And I think sometimes, to, to do something like a marathon, and their old adage, no pain, no gain, <laughs> is, is something we've heard of, but comfortable is the enemy of achievement mm -hmm. and so you've got to be able to push yourself a little bit past that so you can discover more about yourself and so it's baby steps you're not going to push a hole in that play-doh because then it's broken so you've got to make sure you make some small steps mm -hmm. to then find your new boundaries when you were talking about the play-doh analogy my mind also went towards mentorship Right, And I know for myself personally, I was blessed to learn from and work under, for our college football fans um, in membership, you know, the Nick Sabans of the, the association universe. And they have been tremendous mentors for me. I have worked for some of the best CEOs in the country. But I will tell you, from day one, the very first day I started at 20 years old, I was sitting in my boss's office. I sat many an hours on that couch and just listened to him on the phone and kind of absorbed everything through osmosis. I almost wonder, and Lori, jump in here, how do we also help to encourage the leaders of our profession to make themselves uncomfortable to serve in that mentor role as well? Mm -hmm. So. Um 
in my situation, um, I wanted that experience. I wanted to be on the sofa. It was a chair, but I wanted to sit there, and I wanted to I wanted to model my behavior. Like I'm like, how does he do it? What is he doing? How, how do people respond to him? How does he deal with conflict? Because that is a huge one, right? They're your clients, right? You have to figure out how to do that. So I mean, I was upfront with him, and I said, listen. I can't bill for this call. You're the partner you're billing. I can't bill for it. Can I stay in any way? And I'll work later tonight because this is an opportunity for me to grow. And I think that when the mentor realizes that you're truly in there, I mean, and everybody wants to feel good about themselves, right? So the mentor loves the fact that you want to learn from them. But I think when they understand that that is your goal and that you actually want to be a better version of yourself, and you're at their firm, they want the best version of you. So I think that that has to be communicated. Um, and I think once the mentor realizes that you've taken a shine to them and or you really want to just progress in your career I've always found that mentors are willing to help you mm -hmm. I mean it's different after COVID right like we all have to re-educate ourselves sure. um, but I'm hoping that that modeling opportunity comes back mm -hmm. what do you think Erin what are your thoughts I think that leadership needs to make sure that they understand that they are trying to build a legacy mm -hmm. and so to do that you have to start with all levels of talent so that you can build that legacy and leave one so that where you have spent so many years training that you will have something that you're proud to look back at. Mm -hmm. And so to, to your point, Lori, that is so important to, to have that desire from a mentor perspective. But from a mentee perspective, you also need to find those people that you want to emulate. Mm -hmm. And you've probably heard this before, that you become like the five people you spend the most time with. And so find the people that you would like to become mm -hmm. and spend that time with them. Ask them for mentorship. Mm -hmm. It is a huge blessing when someone tells you that you are the mentor to them and then it helps create a stronger relationship. Is there any better compliment than when someone right. says, you are my mentor or I'd like you to be right. my mentor? Right. I can't think of any grander gesture than that. Well, and I think one of the things that mentors can do now as well, because we do all recognize that there is this gap, again, primarily accelerated because of COVID with, with soft skills development. I think it's important for our leaders in our membership to understand that you can do something about it. And um, just as important, FICPA has solutions to help them uh, provide that vehicle for growth. So one of the things that we are doing is we are partnering with Aaron, and I have to give kudos to Lori who helped us to come up with this idea um, last year as well in launching a brand new conference called Bridge the Gap Essential Skills. And we're gonna be having Aaron facilitate this content at our mega conference coming up in June, which is our um, grand CPE event right before the CPE reporting deadline for those that need to come in and not only get their compliance needs taken care of, but professional development education as well. So Erin, tell us a little bit about the conference that, that we are working on with you. Um, really, again, helping to hone in on these essential skills for success, and maybe even touch on who do you think is the, the, the primary audience for attending this event as well? Anybody. <laughs> Anybody can attend, and I, I think that because we should always be learning. Mm -hmm. We should always be learning, no matter what stage you are in your career, you should always be looking for a new opportunity to improve yourself. Mm -hmm. So anybody. But I do know that we are focusing on our early accountant um, population. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for these 
younger accountants to come in and be open-minded to learn more about time management, to learn more about communication, both written and spoken, mm -hmm. to learn about making yourself uncomfortable and pushing your boundaries a little bit. Mm -hmm. Also, client contact and customer service. Yes. You know, we're in the service industry. This is where we, we have to make sure that we are providing them what they need and what's the best way to do that. And then lastly, how to present. Presenting now comes in so many fashions, whether it's one-on-one -on -one with a meeting with um, a group of people within a conference room or whether it's through a screen. How do you take the information that you have learned and then be able to present it and hopefully have the next person take away that knowledge to be able to communicate to others as well. So it's a lot to cover, but I think that our early account accounting individuals would love it, but I also encourage anybody that would like to have some pressure on those to, to come and attend. Such a great point. We can all learn, no matter yeah. how long we've been in the profession, what our age is, what our level is in the firm, in the company, what have you, we can all take the opportunity to learn every day. Um, well, on that note, what other professional development opportunities do you think are, are most important, both for this younger generation, but our leaders in the profession as well to hone in on. We've talked a lot about communication. I completely agree. I don't think we can underscore the importance of that enough. In fact, in some ways, I think, to your point earlier, as we are now presenting so much more on screen, mm -hmm. you almost have to be an even better communicator to get your point across right. than you did prior to the Zoom and Teams calls, right? But what other professional development skills do you think are, are critical for the professionals to have? I think that we should also encourage people to want to be mentors. I think that leaving that legacy, creating those relationships and wanting to train those will also keep people closer mm -hmm. to the organization that they're with. And that will lessen attrition. It will make sure people are more rooted in the organization that they're in. Mm -hmm. So if we can help individuals learn how to coach and or mentor, and know how much that's needed with our new team members, I think that would be a really good round, you know, circling up all the wagons to make sure that we are keeping them close to the best. Mm -hmm. And I just thought of something too, as, as you were talking about the mentorship component. I think it's really important for all of our young professionals in particular to understand that in order to move up the ladder, whether it's in public accounting, business industry, government, it doesn't matter what it is, frankly, in any business right now. The skills that are going to separate you to move up the ladder are those essential soft skills, right? The technical skills are important, yes, but you're only going to continue to advance in your career if you hone in those customer service skills and really amplify your communication skills and your critical thinking and strategic thinking skills as well. If you can do those things, I promise you, you're going to be able to move up and, and achieve your career dreams, which is I know is what so many of our young adults want to do. Absolutely. Now. Absolutely. And I think it's incremental mm -hmm. and people need to realize it won't be immediate. Won't happen overnight. Right, right. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a slow climb, but once you're there, you're really able to, to help yourself. But I think it's a mindset, that. right? It is. It's, it's saying, I can do this and I'm going to try harder next time and I'm going to ask for help next time. I'm going to find a mentor. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's incremental, absolutely. But I do think you have to flip a switch. I think you have to say, I'm ready to connect. I want connectivity. Mm -hmm. I want to learn and I want to grow. And I think that that's where anyone listening to this can say, okay, I'm willing to take that step. Mm -hmm. 
which yep. goes back to our earlier conversation, <laughs> right? It all ties in mm -hmm. together. Um, well, ladies, I can't thank you enough for being here today. I could talk to you for hours about this challenge, truly, and hopefully we'll be able to talk more um, in future videos or on stage at conferences or podcasts or what have you. But, Lori, any final closing thoughts for the good of the order relative to the future of the profession? I think that we're on a great path, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that um, the evolution of the CPA will be a positive thing. I think the fact that the pipeline has softened only means it's going to rebound, right? Like, why wouldn't you join a profession where you have all this opportunity? Um, and that's really what she's spoken about today is that, look, you got to know the nuts and bolts. But if you can, if you can learn the skills beyond that, you, your career is going to be great. And I think that um, that's the takeaway here is that this generation is going to be the next best generation. I love it. I love the inspiration. Erin, anything on your end? This is a noble profession mm -hmm. and one filled with many brilliant minds. And I think as we continue to grow and we have such great cheerleaders such <laughs> as you, mm -hmm. that it is going to only be that much better for the next generation. Thank you for what you do. Yes. No, thank you, ladies. Thank you for today. It was yes, great. Yes, absolutely. Thank you to all of our members for listening in today for a very important conversation about the future of our profession. For those of you that are interested and need to get your CPE before the next deadline on June 30th, we of course welcome you to attend our mega CPE conference, which will be held at Disney's Contemporary Resort June 7th through 11th, coming up in just a few weeks. A great opportunity to get your CPE while enjoying a nice family vacation as well. And as shared as part of the mega conference, we will, we will be launching the Bridge the Gap Essential Skills Conference as well. If you have not yet registered for that event and you are either a young or seasoned professional that would like to attend or send members of your team, please reach out to FICPA and we will be happy to get you registered. I thank you again for listening in to today's conversation and we'll see you next time.